this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. We are a blessed and fortunate church, aren't we? Thank you, youth, for sharing your gifts today. Today's parable is a challenging one. It's known as the parable of the ten bridesmaids. It's a story about being ready. And you can't help but notice that when this story appears in the gospel narrative is likely significant because here we are in the 25th chapter of Matthew by chapter 26. They are in the upper room having the last supper and Jesus is arrested and betrayed by Judas. And so when this story appears in the gospels, this is this in between time between Jesus triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and what is to come on Thursday. And this is when the story appears. Jesus is trying to prepare them. Prepare them for what is to come. Prepare them for life without his physical presence. And our story is about ten bridesmaids who are waiting for the groom to arrive. So I invite you to read along with me in your Bibles in Matthew chapter 25. And I'm going to read 13 verses. And this is what he says. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamp and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for the lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. I was thinking back to growing up, back in the dark ages before cell phones. Kids today don't know how good they have it, you know. Back in my day... When someone was going to arrive at your house, you had a rough estimate, but you really didn't truly know until the car tires hit the driveway that somebody was there. Today, Google Maps can give you a timeline. They can even tell you if there's traffic on your route. You can text and call somebody, tell them how far you are away, and there's apps that you can track somebody. You can track your teenager and know where they are at any point in the road. But in my time, we didn't know when someone was going to show up. 
I remember how my brothers and I, I'm the oldest of two brothers, and I remember how we would suddenly be a well-oiled machine when my parents' car tires hit the driveway. Suddenly we were like synchronized swimmers all hitting our cues and our spots because there were inevitably some lists. Maybe it was do the dishes while we're gone or finish your homework or pick up your rooms. And as soon as we heard those tires, buddy, we sprang into action trying to get everything done in the five minutes it took them to make the walk up to the house. But technology's ruined the surprise. But of course, this is a story about a groom's surprise arrival. He's late. He's late, really late. Ten bridesmaids go with oil in their lamp. Their job was to shine the light as he entered the celebration. Jesus says there's five that are wise because they bring extra. They're ready. They're prepared while they wait. Of course, it's an allegory about what we are to do while we wait for our bridegroom, Christ's return. What are we to do while we wait? How can we be ready for the bridegroom's arrival? Because let me tell you, if you wait till the car tires hit the driveway, it's too late. It's like that old bumper sticker line, Jesus is coming soon, look busy. Ten bridesmaids, they go expecting the groom to arrive, but he's delayed. They have to wait. Every one of them has to wait. Nobody likes to wait. I hate waiting. I was thinking this week of the things I'm waiting for. Top of the list for me, waiting for a day when our lives are not impacted by this pandemic. Waiting. I'm over it. Lord, hear our prayer. How long? Well, we wait until every simple decision doesn't feel so complicated, waiting for people not to be sick and dying so much. You know, I thought back, I know I've told you all this before, but when I, I remember this so clearly, when I first heard about this virus that could impact our lives and someone said impact the church's life, my first thought was two weeks. That's what I thought, two weeks. And I would like to go back to precious little March 2020 Kara and tell her, honey, you better buckle up. It's going to be a long ride, a lot longer than two weeks. We're waiting. We're all waiting for something. Maybe you're waiting for some healing in your life, physical, emotional, waiting for a time when grief doesn't feel all-consuming. Waiting for word from your doctor. Waiting for your child to be happy again. So a wise friend of mine once said, you're only as happy as your least unhappy child. Waiting for prayer. What are you waiting for? Jesus knew how hard the waiting can be. And it's easy while we wait to get down, to get worn out, to get tired. In fact, in this story, all ten bridesmaids, the wise and the foolish alike, they all get tired. They all get tired during the wait. They all go to sleep. Waiting is hard. I remember in my own mother's cancer journey how we would wait. We'd hold our breath between the time of the scan and the time the doctor called for the results. Who knew you could hold your breath that long, but you can 
And it occurs to me that some of us today have been holding our breath for a very long time now. Everybody waits. Even the bridesmaids, they wait. And if I ask you today, which bridesmaid do you feel like? The ones that have come prepared or the ones that are running on empty? My guess is that more than a few of us might say we feel like we're running on empty because it's hard. Maybe you feel ill-prepared for how long and how hard the journey is, or maybe you just feel like you are running out. The Apostle Paul, one of the earliest church writings in the New Testament, he writes a letter to the Thessalonians. And in that letter, he tells them that while they are waiting, they are to encourage each other. While they wait, encourage each other. We need to be encouragers. We are not meant to go this road alone. It is the gift of coming together as church to be the body of Christ, of being a part of a church family, that we can encourage one another in the journey while we wait. Be someone who encourages. If all ten of the bridesmaids come to the party, have to wait, and all ten of them get tired from the journey of waiting, the one thing that makes some of them wise and some of them foolish is that the wise ones were prepared for the wait. They brought extra reserves. My guess is that the other five probably thought they got more time. Hey, they've been waiting so long already. We've got more time. I'll go get more oil tomorrow or the day after that or the day after that. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then they are surprised when the groom shows up. Life has a way of teasing us all into thinking we have more time than we do. That broken relationship with our family member, I'll fix it one day, make it right. To deepen and grow in my faith, it's on my to-do list, I'll get to church, yeah, I'll make it a priority, I will. Spend more time with kids, parents. Siblings, yeah, we always think we have more time. And there's an urgency to the gospel message in so many different ways. And other stories, too. Jesus tells a story about a farmer who has a bounty crop year. And what does he say? He fills up his barns, and he says, I'm going to tear down these barns, and I'm going to build even bigger barns to store all my things. And Jesus says, you fool, because your life could be demanded of you this night. And then who's crops will they be? He tells another story about a faithful and an unfaithful servant, about a master who leaves his servants in charge of the household. And the unfaithful servant, well, he just puts his feet up and he enjoys himself while the master is away. He takes it easy. And Jesus says, the faithful servant is the one who's found at work when the master arrives. In all of these stories, and including ours today, there's an urgency to be ready, to be prepared, to keep your lamps lit and burning. Methodist minister, he was the chaplain at Duke Divinity School Chapel, Will Williman, tells about a time he went to a funeral in Georgia that really upset him. Actually, it disgusted him, I'd say. He said this minister did an altar call during the funeral. And he said this particular minister, he flailed his arms, he pointed at the deceased, he said, it's too late for Joe, 
He might have wanted to do this or that in his life, but it's too late for him now. He's dead. It's all over for him. He might have wanted to straighten his life out, but he can't now. It's over. But it's not too late for you. People drop dead every single day, so why wait? Now is the time for your decision. Now is the time to make your life count for something. Give your life to Jesus. And Willeman was driving home from the funeral with his wife, and he said to his wife, Can you imagine doing that kind of thing to the grieving family? And she said, No, I can't. And Willeman said, I have never heard anything so cheap, so manipulative, so inappropriate at a funeral. And his wife agreed, and then she said, Of course, maybe the problem is also that everything he said is true. Make your life count for something. What have you been putting off? What have you been putting off? I'm not talking about cleaning out some closet or the garage in your house. Trust me. I'm going to go ahead and assume that at anyone's funeral, no one's going to say, did you see how clean her closets were? Organized. Is there a relationship you need to mend? An apology you need to make. A deeper commitment to the journey with Christ. Maybe you want to live a life of service or sacrifice. You know, I remember talking to someone in my church years ago with a big smile on her face, and she said, you know what? Having this cancer diagnosis, it has been a gift. And I waited gift. She said, I suddenly see everything in focus. Everything is clear to me now about my life. There's no time for wasting. So trim your lamps, fill your oil, and make your life count for something. And if you actually don't know where to begin with that, if you need a little reminder then just keep reading past our story today in your Bible, the 25th chapter of Matthew. It's there. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Whatever you do to the least of these who are members of my family, you do to me.